Why, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts. My name is Joe, and I am joined by Mike and Tom. Hey, guys. Uh, How's it going? Tom is, uh, as you know, one of our new... One of our new writers that we added last week and part of the hazing process for rookies is that they're forced to come onto the podcast and say nice things about us and say nice things about the Rangers. So that is Tom's punishment today. Before we go anywhere, I would like to tell you all that this show is sponsored by, guess who? Patreon. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Go to that website and you can give money to us. And if you do, we will do things to make the show sound better. Like, for example, getting Skype subscriptions, which we've already done. Uh, Mike got a fancy new microphone, and I got a fancy new microphone today, uh, thanks to Amazon Prime Day on Tuesday. How wonderful is that? I should sound as if I'm in your living room, perhaps sitting next to you over a cup of tea, maybe some crumpets, um, you know, however it is oh. that you, you listen to your podcast. I assume that you're a classy bunch because you're here listening with us. John J. Porter, Anthony Viola, Robert Courtney, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGem, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Littman, Dan Lynch. Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman. I'll have to figure out his real name, but Stink Fleeman. Uh, John Reppy, Arch Williams, Igor Zetlowski, <laughs> Zachary Zetlin, Dan Carosi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempna, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating. You guys are what makes this site and this podcast go round. You hear how delicious I sound right now? I'm assuming. I guess. Um, also as a reminder, because we stopped reminding you guys about this for a while and you all slacked off and didn't do anything, go to iTunes, subscribe to us, Stitcher, Google play. You can find us in a lot of different places, but wherever you do find us, please give us five stars, subscribe to us, write something nice. Um, Mike will give you a hug and a kiss. If you give five stars and leave a nice comment, he does it often, believe it or not. So damn right. Yeah. You, you want to be a part of that. It's really, it's like a special experience. Um, it is the dog days of summer, but we got we got some things to talk about, believe it or not. Um, mainly the fact that Nick Holden is still on the team, maybe some Mark Stahl trade ideas, Mika Zibanejad filing for arbitration, the secondary buyout window that the New York Rangers will ultimately not use, and Lias, Lias? Is it Lias or Lias? I've been saying Lias Anderson, but Lias. All right, so we're going to go with Lias. And Lias Anderson getting signed to an entry-level contract. Um, these are the things that we're going to talk about, and in reverse order. So let's start with Anderson, who was signed to an entry-level contract this year. For those of you who don't know, all prospects that are drafted um, have a certain window in which they can be signed by their teams. Guys like Jimmy VC, um, Kevin Hayes, and whatnot, who are not signed within that window, then become either free agents or go back into the draft, depending on where they're playing. The Rangers were certainly not in a position where they had to sign Anderson. They could easily uh, maintain his rights for, I think you get four years or maybe three years for guys that are playing professionally in Europe, but they have pretty much no center depth in the system. Anderson stood out in the prospect camp. There has been whispers that he was going to make a hell of a push to get onto the team in training camp this year. I'm not sure how, optimistic I would be about that but Tom did a wonderful thing and he put together just a a list kind of detailing maybe some of the comparables but with that Tom I'll start with you what do you think about this move do you think there's anything to this or you think this is just the Rangers taking care of business today instead of having to worry about it tomorrow 
I mean, you can look at it as the fact that they're taking care of business, but they're more or less, I think they're trying to make a statement. When you make a trade, you know, of, you know, Ranta and Stepan, you know, Arizona for, you know, D'Angelo and that number seven overall pick that became Lias Anderson, you know, you're pretty much saying like, you know, we felt that, you know, we could get a very good player, you know, in the first round and someone that can make an impact. And they're going to say all the right things. They're going to say, you know what, he stood out a lot in prospect camp. You know, he looked motivated. He looked fast. All those really good things to sort of reassure fans that, you know what, we know what we're doing and we think we got a great kid here. And then obviously the next step is, you know what, we're going to sign him to his deal and we're going to have him come to, you know, regular training camp with the rest of, you know, the big boys and sort of say, you know what, we're going to give you every opportunity to make this team and then if you don't make the team, it's ultimately on you. And then they have, you know, flexibility, whether they send him down to Hartford, whether he, you know, you know, they loan him back out to the SHAL. But um, I, I think they're trying to make a statement and try to reassure everyone that, you know, they think that he can be an impact player sooner rather than later. Mike? Uh, I'm... I've been thinking about it a lot. I mean, we kind of knew that Dayarnay, you know, he's the that fourth line spot is filled with Dayarnay, but there's still very much I think the need for either a top nine, you know, kind of middle six guy at center or wing if you move Miller uh, to center, which apparently I think we talked about last week is something that, you know, Gordon said that the team wants to do eventually. Um, but I, I would, it's just because of the timing of everything. I mean, you know, it's obviously, like Tom said, you know, it's, this is not unusual to see, you know, a, a team kind of saying, look, we, we like the kid we got. We're signing him. We're not going to dilly-dally. Um, you know, we've seen a bunch of, bunch of the early picks uh, from this year's draft get, get their ELCs already, but uh, it's definitely, you know, it's uh, Anderson was picked in large part because he was considered safe. He's not a guy who's, you know, a franchise, you know, center, top line center. He's a guy who is going to be a very valuable two-way player. And, you know, he's a teenager right now, but I think he'll be 19 in October. Um, but he already has a little bit of experience playing with men in Sweden. And if he's in that kind of third line role, you know, he, he the Rangers aren't going to ask him to score 50 points or 40 points. You know, he, he'll just be there to, to give that line a little bit of something. And that makes me feel like they are just kind of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but there's also something to be said about, he's kind of the leading candidate right now for that, for that spot, because uh, in terms of what's out there, you know, it's not, you know, it's not uncommon for teams to find guys late in free agency, but uh, it's, it's definitely something worth keeping, keeping an eye on. I think that the interest in him in training camp just went up a couple of notches at the very least. You look at a guy like Anderson and, I think the way that Mike described him is maybe the best way to describe what the Rangers were thinking when they made the selection. There there was a little bit of outrage when it came to Anderson being taken seventh overall. And 
part of the reason is because there are players that you would assume have a higher upside, right, that you can take in that position, and everybody expects to take a potential franchise-changing player in the top ten in the draft. It's just the way that it should be looked at. Anderson was a bit of a different type of selection. Anderson was a guy that the Rangers really liked. He's a guy who has pretty solid international numbers, someone who's played – 64 professional games against men as a teenager. Actually, that's regular season games. He played another 20 games in the playoffs in the SHL the past two years. Someone who had 19 points in 42 games last year in the SHL. There are comparables that that Tom had kind of drawn up for us that he can kind of go over. The idea is not that Anderson is, call it McElrath 2.0, but more or less that there are people out there who believe that Anderson was as surefire of a thing to a top six center that you can draft in in a draft, assuming that the guys develop. And there is a chance for him to be a a top-line center. Now, that's his ceiling. His ceiling is not the best player on the team. And the expectation is that if you're picking in the top 10, you're picking a guy who has the potential to be the best player on the team. Obviously, that's not the way that it happens. Most top 10 picks do not become that type of player. I think the, the mega draft in 2003 was the closest that we would ever get to seeing something like that. But... If Anderson turns into a top six player, he's a fantastic pick, even at seventh overall. If Anderson turns into a top line player, he is an extraordinary pick, even at seventh overall. What drew the Rangers to him was a very strong playoffs. He really he, he kicked it up a notch down the stretch in the SHL, and he is incredibly polished. A lot like Buchnevich this year, you have a guy who's good in his own zone, You have a guy who has succeeded at the international level uh, with his age in Sweden and is polished from playing against men. There's not a a ton of – this is not a guy coming from juniors and then coming to the NHL. It's a lot different. So is there an opportunity for Anderson here to make the team? Yeah, because right now his only competition is Bunieves, who suffered two concussions last year, had an injury-plagued season, was very disappointing considering guys like Brooks and Zepay were considering him to be a potential fourth-line player last year at training camp. So will we see Anderson on Broadway? I would be surprised, but I think the Rangers are covering their bases here. His contract can slide if he goes back to the SHL. I'm almost positive. Um, and because I saw a comment on this, every single person has to get the same deal for an entry-level contract. The, the Rangers cannot negotiate the price that they signed him for. It's a three-year, $925,000 deal. It would have been that regardless of who it was. That's just the way that it works. They did not negotiate that. So when people are like, you can get a depth player for that kind of money, that is simply the way that it works. Uh, and as Tom <laughs> was pointing out in our little private chat, something that I talked about when I wrote about it. I think a lot of people were upset that the Rangers didn't trade back for Anderson. A lot of drafts and a lot of mocks had him probably in the 11 to 15 range. The Rangers took him at seven, but the, uh, they got word and it was apparently confirmed that the Los Angeles Kings who were picking at 11 were hot on Anderson. And obviously the Rangers didn't want to go too far back before they, they ran into any issues there. Um, And listen, this was the guy that they wanted. This was the guy that they got. They had kind of the pick of the litter and, this was the plan, I, I think, from the very beginning. Um, Tom, you want to run through just kind of the comparables that you, you hit with Anderson and just some of the conclusions you want to take off that? Sure. So, you know, let me preface this with this is simply a list of Swedish centers drafted in the first round 
in the last 10 years. So this is not me saying, look, you know, Elias Anderson could become X or Y. This is just looking at players that were drafted in the first round um, and sort of saying like, all right, what was their production going into their draft year comparing it to Anderson? So obviously this year, Elias Anderson, number seven overall, nine goals, 10 assists, 19 points in 42 games played in the SHL, the top league in Sweden. In 2015, uh, the Wild took Joel Eriksson Ek, uh, number 20th overall, four goals, two assists, six points in 34 games in the you know the SHL. He also played in the Super Elite League. You know it's a little lower league, 32 points in 25 games. Uh, William Nylander, seven points in 22 games in the SHL in Sweden's Tier Two League, 15 goals, 27 points in 35 games played. Elias Lindholm, who is the the top player of this list from an offensive perspective, went number five overall in 2013 to Carolina, 11 goals, 19 assists, 30 points in 48 games. Um, Alex Wenberg also went in 2013. He went to at number 14. He uh, played in 46 games in the Tier 2 League, 14 goals, 18 assists, 32 points. In 2011, our own uh, Mika Zibanejad went number six overall. He only had nine points in 26 games in the SHL, but he then also had 21 points in 27 games in the Super Elite League. Um, Then you also have, you know, Marcus Johansson, number 24 overall in 2009, 10 points in 45 games in the SHL. In 2007, at number 24 overall, you have Mikael Backlund of the Calgary Flames, you know, nine points in seven Super Elite games, and then only three points in 18 tier two games and then last but not least nick backstrom of the washington capitals went number four overall in 2006 26 points in 46 games played in the shl so you have a lot of ranges of guys that they got a taste in the top league they bounced between tier two and the junior league um of this list i look at anderson as a guy that you know as as mike alluded to you know he he's going to turn you know i believe it's 19 in october so he's a, a little bit older. So if you look at the players the Rangers drafted, they drafted a lot of overagers. So pretty much what that told me is that they were drafting for NHL readiness. They were drafting for who are guys that we can plug in now, whether it's here, whether it's in Hartford. You know, we're not in this sort of cycle where we're taking guys to let them, you know, sort of stew and marinate, and maybe there'll be something one day. But if I had to pick a player from this list, um, Wenberg is interesting to me because he dominated in a tier two league and he's shown so far in Columbus that he's, you know, a competent, you know, second line center, maybe a potential for more, you know, he's supposedly going to be centering, uh, Artemi Panarin this year. Um, even look at Zibanejad and how he sort of progressed and how this year, I mean, yeah, he had the injury, but his best career year in terms of points per game and in his draft year, only nine points in 26 games. So there's a lot to take in, but at least it tells me Anderson held his own uh, in, in a league against men. You know, he's got a good two-way reputation and you know, almost 20 points in 42 games played. It's not too bad. So while he does not have that, maybe that high-end elite level skill as like an Elias Lindholm, um, if he can be a third-line center now and maybe – you know, like a tweener for the second line at, at some point in the near future, then it, it's a pick that 
makes sense when you consider the situation the Rangers are in now and what they're looking to accomplish uh, in this window. I think something else that is, you know, is worth bringing up is Anderson is one of those guys when you, you know, you look at just, you know, his, his frame, he's not a very big player. Obviously he's 5'11", but he's already listed at 198 pounds. Um, So, you know, just to put that in context, you know, it's, I think it's about 10, 10 pounds heavier than, than Booch was last season. But, you know, obviously Booch looks like he's made out of broomsticks. But uh, it, it, there's definitely something to be said about his experience of playing with men about that NHL readiness. And um, it, it is interesting that, like, as you're going through that list, Tom, I kept thinking, it's, well, it's good to, you should really just try to draft Swedish centers is, what, is the impression I'm getting here. Um, cause none of those guys are busts in any way, but, uh, there's a, there's so much to like about what Anderson offers. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, kind of get silly here, but I can really see him in that, in that third line center role. Um, especially if, you know, if that means, you know, playing with someone like Buchnevich, for example, and, you know, kind of having something a little bit akin to like a kid line. Uh, cause I, I, I don't know what else is out there, but uh, I think we have a caller, right, Joe? We do, but before I I take the caller, I just wanted to add one more thing. When you look at guys' numbers overseas that um, Tom was kind of reading out to you, you you need to understand that these are kids playing in an adult league. So you have a guy like Duclair, for example, who lit up the OHL when he was a Rangers prospect – a guy like him might not put up those types actually in, in absolutely guaranteed would not put up those types of numbers in the SHL. Um, so what you look for is growth patterns in two years ago, Anderson played 22 games in the SHL and he had zero points this year. He played in 42 games and he had 19 points. That's an enormous growth pattern. If you see a guy like him have zero points last year in 22 games and then maybe five points this year in 42 games, that's a red flag. But seeing 19 points in 42 games should not disturb you. It's, it's just this is the way of the road when it comes to prospects who are kids who are playing overseas. It's just something to take into consideration. And Mike is right. We do have a caller, 516. You are on the air. Who's this? What's up, boys? It's John. How are you? Called last What's week. What's going on, John? How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, Good. Great. Well, uh, great. Thanks for doing the show tonight, as always. Uh, hockey is uh... – it's kind of dying off right now as far as uh, free agency and everything else is going. So it's good that you guys are doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I'm, listen, I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm very uh, ecstatic that they, they signed this kid. I'm, I'm just a little bit reluctant uh, to automatically assume that he's going to play next year. And I think people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves. And, and for Tom, great job and great statistics stuff, bro. Uh, really good job doing your homework. I'm very impressed. Uh, really good job with that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, We've seen this before, and and the Rangers did it with Mel Holtra. They rushed him along. They kind of did a little bit with Michael Delzato. You know, they they needed a, they needed that need. They're like the Rangers needed that offensive defenseman from the point on the power play. So they they rushed along Michael Delzato, and you know Delzato's had a a decent. He's going to have a decent career. He's probably going to play twenty years in the league. But you know, maybe he maybe would have been that offensive player if he maybe matured a little bit playing in the minors. And, I don't know. I mean, we don't know. And then Manny Malhotra, again, another guy that played a very long time in the NHL. But, 
you know, never really was anything more than a third or a fourth line guy. Um, sometimes their expectations need to be a little bit tapered, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm just a little bit weary with, with uh, bringing in an 18-year-old kid who's never played in the small rink. And, you know, I, I love his attitude. I, I love that he has kind of a chip on his shoulder. I've listened to his interviews. He seems like he's, he's focused. He, he has a lot of uh, – uh, uh, he has a lot of – trying to look at the word I'm looking for, but he has a lot of attitude, which I like. And you know what? He, he's confident, and, and you want that in a hockey player. But I don't know. It, it, to make a jump from, from 18-year-old Swedish Hockey League on the big ring to playing in the NHL to me is a really big jump. And I understand the Rangers need a third or fourth line center. I just a little bit hesitant to automatically anoint this kid uh, or give him that spot next, or look to give him that spot next season. I really think they need to explore other things. I don't know how you guys feel about that. So I mean, a, a, a couple of things there. One, I definitely understand the you bring up, you know, Manny Mahultra and you know another guy I think of as, as well as you know Pavel Brendel. But I think the one thing that and, and Jamie you have Lundell, the benefit of now. What right. was that other name? Jamie, Jamie Lundberg. Right. So you have those names, but I, I, the one thing, and it's sort of not as a cop out, but in you know 2017, I would say that you know you're able to do a lot better scouting. You're able to watch a lot more games. You're able to get a lot more information. You, you a lot of these kids are playing, you know. In, you know, international tournaments, they're playing against other, you know, sort of top end and prospects. So I, I understand the reluctance of saying like, you know, this is a young kid playing on overseas ice and, you know, bringing him to the NHL. I, I don't think there are placed on him to sort of step in. I think they want to give him the opportunity and say, you know what, let's see what he can do. Let's have an open mind. I mean, in my mind, maybe if they expect him to be almost just sort of fill that role that maybe Oscar Lindbergh would have filled. Now, obviously, you know, Lindbergh had a great sort of, you know, defensive ability. Um, you know, he showed some, you know, spurts of offensive upside as well. Um, you know, maybe to plug him in that, that fourth line spot and see what he can do. And you know what, if he proves that he can't handle it, then he just sort of goes back. But I'd like to sort of find out now to see what can be possible um, rather than make some signing that then you're stuck with. No, yeah, I, I, would I, like to... I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll, I'll build off that really quickly. I think it's, there's, there's an important designation of like what, what would be expected of a guy in the third line. It's a very sheltered role. Typically, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the Grabner Hayes, Miller line last season, you know, they weren't out there, you know, tasked with shutting down the other team's best line or anything like that. You know, they're out there, just go ahead, go create your fast breaks, go play, you know, go do whatever's working for you. And you can play players in that third line role in a very sheltered role. Um, and, and that's, that's worth being said. The other thing I wanted to say is I absolutely think the Rangers should keep an open mind, as you said, about, like what other options are, are out there, but just in terms of guys who are kind of pure centers who are left, there's four guys left in free agency who had more than 20 points last season. There's Mike Fisher, Matt Cullen, who's 40 years old, Fisher 37, 
There's Mike Ribeiro, who's a head case, and he's 37. And then there's Daniel Winnick. And the fifth-highest-scoring fifth free agent center left is Brandon Peary, who the Rangers didn't give a qualifying offer to. So we, at this stage of free agency, like you said, things are dying down. We're really, you know, it's, it's the scrap heap a little bit. You know, you're hoping you can find someone that you can plug in and get something special out of. But, uh, you know, that I, I would like to see the Rangers kind of look, look at a guy like a Winnick or, you know, even I know it's like it's a mixed opinion from a lot of people, but a guy like maybe a Parento or someone, you know, who, who you can get for dirt cheap. He doesn't work out. You put him on waivers. You know, it's just uh, very low risk, low reward, no need for investment. Um, uh, the the other option, of course, is to do a trade and get rid of some of this extra defense the Rangers have. But uh, I, there is definitely something to be said about, you know, if Anderson does make the team, which, of course, you know, I think tech, like the odds are against him, right? I think we all know that. He has a lot of work to do to, to prove that, you know, it's worth it for the team to burn that first year of his ELC if he, if he's with the team and everything. Um, Cause that's another part of it. You know, there's definitely a numbers game and you want to have these kids cheap for as long as you can have them dirt cheap on the cap. Uh, I, I think that's a big part of this too, that he has his work cut out for him, but, like you said, from all those interviews, he, it's in his mind. He wants to make the team. I'm not surprised. I, I'm sure he wants to prove the the organization right for taking him seventh overall. And I like that he has that kind of, you know, that chutzpah or chip on his shoulder or whatever you want to call it. Because it's been a long, long time since the Rangers had a pick that early. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen a team, the Rangers in a position really where they have that rookie and they can play him because VC was such a different animal, you know, and Buchnevich we saw coming for a couple of years, but uh, I don't know if you want to tag anything on there, Joe. I think just to, and John, I muted you. I don't, I don't know if you're driving or not, but I think I hear your windshield wipers in it. Uh, I just wanted to <laughs> make sure that they didn't go through everything. Um, the only point that I would add to that in agreement with you, Mike, I don't think there's an actual expectation for Anderson to make the team. I don't think there's, much of an expectation. I mean, maybe they hope, but at this point, this is not a contract of, Hey, this guy's got to be in the NHL next year. This is a contract of, we do think this guy's going to be in the NHL sooner rather than later. And there's no reason to keep this going. If he's willing to sign right now, let him sign right now. And let's go down this road. I think Anderson would have to absolutely prove that he is good enough to make the team to your point, John, about the the smaller ice rink. I, I think that only helps him from a defensive standpoint, and a lot of Anderson's work, if you look at the body of work that he's put together internationally, if you look at what he's done in the SHL, is around the net. He is not a speed demon on the wings. He is not a guy who is using the space to his advantage. He is in tight, and I don't see the kind of smaller ice surface hurting him all that much. Now, that's not to say he's going to come in and light the world on fire. It's just to say that, you know, this is not somebody who, like uh, Philip. Oh, God, we went over how to say his name. Chitil, right? Chitil? We're going to go with it. Uh, the Rangers' Chitil, 21st overall yeah. selection. 
Scheidel, yeah. He is more of a guy that you would be concerned about with the smaller ice surface because he's a guy who uses his speed. He cuts to the outside. He's taking those passes wide on the wing and then cutting back into the net. That's a little bit more of a concern. Again, a lot of guys go through that. Bushnevich went through that. Uh, the, it's, the list goes on and on. But in terms of the way that Anderson gets the job done offensively, I'm not totally worried about that aspect of the game. Um, thank you for calling, though, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I still hear the, the windshield wiper. I apologize. Yeah. I'm going to drop you off. Flooded, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for calling. Well, it is pouring. It's pouring here, too. So I don't – he might have been driving and podcasting. But I love it. I love it. our loyal fans would do such a thing. Um, so, yeah, I, listen, there are – there's a little bit of smoke that the trade market might heat up a little bit. Everybody's talking about the Rick Nash deal that happened on July 20th is sort of the deal that proves that big trades can go down later in the summer. But ultimately, I don't think Duchesne is fit for the Rangers. I don't think they have the assets to get it done. And, I mean, I would take a flyer on Daniel Winnick right now. In a heartbeat. Yeah. I don't know if the Rangers are going to go down that road. Maybe they will if they don't see any other option. But if they don't do anything, maybe we can surmise that they do intend to actually give Anderson as big of a shot as they can. Tom, go ahead. I think in regards to the Rangers and the trade market, if they look to acquire another center, I think they would look to do so if they sense that, and we can get into this a little bit later, but you know, if they sense there's an opportunity to move one of their excess defensemen, then this way it's sort of a one-for-one, one, whether it's roster spot and if the money is sort of similar, instead of saying, okay, we're going to sign someone, and then we still have to move a defenseman. Well, and I guess we can walk down this road because that was kind of where we were going to go. So Mika's advantage ad remains unsigned. He filed for arbitration. None of us could agree on whether or not we talked about that on the last show. So like any good podcast, we are just going to roll that over. Um, so Zavadjad filed for arbitration. <laughs> that opens up a secondary buyout window for the Rangers that we're all in agreement they're not going to use on Mark Stahl. But one of the points that I was going to bring up before the uh, start of the show I think the Dan Girardi situation sort of speaks to what a market could look like for a defenseman. Girardi got bought out. The Rangers pretty much said, no, we want nothing to do with him. He is such a drain on our defense that we're going to pay money against the cap to not have him here anymore. And Tampa Bay signed him to a two-year, $6 million deal, not a like one-year league minimum but a relatively hefty contract. That gives me some hope that a team out there might look at Mark Stahl and say, okay, if you're going to eat half the salary, we'll go and make a trade with him. We'll take him. Now, is that deal out there? I don't know. Part of the issue, I would say, a lot of people were asking why the Rangers couldn't have struck a deal with the Lightning for like a seventh-round pick to take Girardi and they'll eat half the salary. I think the third year probably worried Tampa I would have said the second and third year worried Tampa, but apparently they were fine with going for two years for him. Stahl has four years left on his deal, and it is, a, it is going to be a mind-numbing contract at some point if the salary cap doesn't keep going up, if the Rangers run into issues. Remember, they bridged Miller. They bridged Hayes. Uh, I hope to God above they don't bridge the Banajad, but you've you got to pay the piper eventually. Hayes, VC, Miller, Buchnevich, these guys are going to have to get paid. 
Ryan McDonough is a free agent in two years. The, Brady Shea is going to be a free agent, I believe, in two years. There, you, you have to pay the bill. So that contract is going to be a problem. Now, you lose Nash next year, and, and it's kind of stupid to talk about this because we're talking about next summer issues, but the Rangers have cap space, and they very well may go into the year with cap space. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have cap space. You don't have to fill it. Just because you have $10 in your pocket doesn't mean you have to go buy more than just the eggs you need at the store. Save the money and see what you can use it for later. And losing Nash is 7.8. Maybe you can use that to sign Miller and Hayes. Maybe you give yourself a little flexibility to make a trade or or a long-term deal. But Mike was just telling me that Mika was bridged by Ottawa. Uh, That's... I don't see the bridge deal thing was a Glenn Sather thing. I don't know if it's going to be a Jeff Gordon thing. I don't know if Gordon did it. And really, I think we all knew Hayes was going to get the bridge because he didn't have the best of years. But the reality of the situation was the Rangers had an opportunity to give Miller a real contract and probably could have saved themselves a couple million dollars a year on that. And they didn't. So was that because Gordon agrees with the Sather thing? Or does that mean that Gordon knew they weren't going to be able to fit everybody under the cap because he wasn't buying out Dan Girardi? I don't know. I guess we'll figure that out. Um, But there is an anticipation that the Rangers have to make another trade. They have like nine defensemen. So go ahead, Tom. I mean, you bring up all the bridge deals. I mean, it's, it's a thought I've had for a while, but it's almost like if NHL teams played their young talent, what they were actually worth, they would then be in a better financial situation because they wouldn't have the cap space to throw money long-term towards players that were over the hill. So it's the situation of are you paying, you know, uh, Ryan Callahan over $5.5 million a year when from the perspective of Tampa Bay, or are you in turn like maybe at the time signing – Nikita Kucherov or Andre Pallad or whatever, the money that they're actually worth. And then, you know what? We can't go after someone in free agency. So I, I don't know. I, I I think they'll get it right this time with Zibanejad because they really don't have an option because if they decide to bridge him, do a one-year deal, that could blow up in their face. He has a great year, number one minutes, going into a situation where, you know, with the addition of Shattenkirk, he has the potential to pick up so many more points on the power play to boost his overall total. And if they were to do two years, that takes him to unrestricted free agency. And if you look in the next year, or rather the next two years, outside of Tavares or I think Kyle Turris, there really isn't that, you know, player that you could, you know, realistically sign and say, you're my number one for the foreseeable future. Oh, my God. Can you imagine what would happen if the Rangers signed to Paris? Um, There's a point I wanted to bring up, which is I think right now the Rangers are sitting on, what is it, 8.4 million uh, in cap space. Obviously, Mika Zibanejad is going to come in well under that. You know, we're hoping, hoping to hear something like five or five point five. You know, depending on term and everything. But even after that, there's still a lot of money for the Rangers to play with, especially 
if they find a way to, I think hoping for a solution for, to find, you know, an early exit from Mark Stahl and his contract, uh, even a scenario where you have to swallow some of the cap hit. I don't think that's as likely as finding um, a buyer for Nick Holden. Um, And even Nick Holden coming off the books, even if, you know, you just get picks back or, or a prospect back, you know, it's more cap space and that, I'm bringing all this up because I made the point of pointing out there's not a lot of interesting center centers out there in free agency, but there are wingers out there that, you know, if the Rangers pull the right strings, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's Thomas Vanek's out there. You know, there's guys who you can add to your team and say in a third line role, you know, pay Vanek whatever you need for one year and, put them on the power play and laugh your way to the playoffs. It's there's definitely a lot of potential for this roster to improve dramatically before the season begins. But I think like a lot of teams out there, it what's really going to happen here is a lot of the pieces have to kind of fall in place with, with a lot of these big RFAs because the Rangers aren't the only team, uh, you know, that's waiting on a guy like Zibinijad trying to figure that out. There are, you know, a, a small legion of really significant restricted free agents, including, you know, Ryan Johansson, David Pasternak. You know, there's, it's a very, very long list of guys, you know, Dracidal, Michael Granlund in Minnesota. Uh, the list goes on and on. Um, Palat was brought up before by Tom. He's yet another guy who's, who needs his next contract. And so, you know, Teams are waiting to get those guys signed, and then I think once that happens, we'll see those trades come. Uh, I just think it's a lot, a lot more likely that we see a deal with, um, you know, a deal where we see. I just lost my train of thought, like an idiot. But uh, a deal with God, Nick Holden just... moving before Mark Stahl. So you've ruined another podcast. I hope you're proud of yourself. Yeah, I am. I hope, you know, I. I don't know how I feel about anything anymore. God, I want just... Thomas Danik to be a Ranger. I don't even know why. I know that everyone <laughs> is on board for the let's have let's have Yarmor Yager back, which I think would be that fun. Would be... But I don't necessarily believe in the Yager really fitting what the team's about, just because a lot like why Florida didn't want to give him the money. It's just that the speed isn't there anymore for him. I think that's a lot less of an issue with a guy like like Vanek. I love the, the when Markov was rumored to be coming to the NHL last year, and obviously he signed the contract with Montreal, and now he signed a contract with Dallas that Montreal matched. Right, he already him. signed it with Dallas. It was very bizarre. Oh yeah, what did I say? You said Markov. Oh, love. Markov. Now you ruined the podcast. Markov? See, yeah, no, you, you ruined it first, and then I ruined it after you. You had the last it. part right. Yeah. So yeah, you regardless, got Dallas. Um, <laughs> love. Everybody was saying, oh, we can't take him. He's just another lazy Russian. He's not going to do anything. He's going to be awful. It's not going to be worth it, right? And then he has a great year, and then he gets signed to a five-year contract with Dallas. Now you have guys like Vanek, and people are like, oh, there's no reason to take a risk on a guy like Vanek. He's not going to do anything. But like, this is the bargain bin section of the NHL shopping spree. Like Guys like Winnick or Grabner or whomever may or may not be on the market at any given time are guys who can provide like Vanek is not worth 
the seven million dollar contract he was offered by the Islanders, right? And it's clear that him denying that long term contract was the greatest thing that could have happened to the Islanders because it would have been a disaster. But if you give him the league minimum, or if you give him one point five million dollars for a one year deal, there is no risk. Just like Desjardins, there is no risk. There, it's a one year deal for one million dollars. If it doesn't work, throw him in the minors. If it does work, amazing. Look at that. Great. So you need to take those risks because you don't know what's going to come of them. There are opportunities to make the team better without actually hurting yourself. Like it or not, signing a guy like Zibanejad to a six-year deal is a risk. Signing a guy like Miller to a Briggs deal is a risk. Signing a depth player to a one-year contract is not a risk. Not a risk. You wanted Peary back. Mike wanted Peary back, which I think is a, a criminal offense. And, and he's Why not, is that a he's criminal not, offense? Speaking of... He, he's not coming back. Because of the Geneva War Convention, Mike. You don't even know it, it listed wanting Brandon Peary as a war crime. Poor, poor Tom. Mike and I are yelling at each other over nonsense, and he's... Uh, he wants to add something. Yeah, Tom's trying to be objective. Yeah. And good. Go ahead, Tom. I mean, speaking of risk, I'm trying to really think of the last quote unquote risk the Rangers have taken. I mean, they are a pretty conservative team for the most part. I mean, pennings, <clears throat> but there's precedent there that say, well, you know what? They've produced and the allure of coming to New York and all that. So I wouldn't call that a risk. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, I mean, Glenn Sather was the king of reclamation projects. I mean, you know, he was, you know, in the Euler days, you know, whenever the players got in trouble, they called Glenn and he made sure that everything was okay. So he had a soft spot for those that fell off, you know, the path and went wayward. But, you know, I would have been all in on Radulov for one year, you know, going back to last year. Um, I wanted them to take a flyer on Semin when he was on waivers. I think that could have been a great opportunity, you know, on a one-year sort of situation. Um, but I, I think you need to take that element of risk and on a one-year deal because if it works out, it can set you up. I mean, they took – the idea of, you know, they picked, they picked up Anton Strawman after he fouled out of, you know, the devil's camp and look what happened to him. I mean, you know, they, they pulled Zuccarello sort of, you know, out of overseas, had a great, you know, you know, uh, Olympic tournament. Then they almost lost him for good and look how important he's been. Um, I, I guess with most of the roster in place, taking a risk is not a bad idea. And like you said, one year is one year. It don't work. You put them on waivers. It don't work. You bury them in the minors. Uh, what do you think is more likely that we'll see Tony D'Angelo as the sixth D on that third pair and Stahl and Holden are gone, or we see the Rangers find that guy in the scrap heap in terms of just like a free agent, you know, like a Winnick or, you know, a player like that. I think Vanek is, Vanek's going to get paid somewhere. He was just too productive last season. But realistically, the Rangers should have the money to do it, the cap space to do it. Um, I'm leaning towards that the team isn't done and that 
a trade is more likely, but I would like to think that we'll see another change come to this forward group. I actually don't think the two ideas that you threw out onto the table are mutually exclusive. I think we are going to see D'Angelo as the sixth defenseman. If for no other reason, then you traded away your number one center and your backup goalie for him. So to bury him in the minors, like D'Angelo would have to bury himself in the minors. It would have to be to the point where he literally cannot be put on the team would be my guess. That shouldn't have anything to do with the Rangers ability to kind of trade or get a depth player and actually him making the team sort of plays into that hand because then you have to trade Holden or stall, but most likely Holden. And you would think you can move Holden for maybe a depth player. Larry Brooks, for whatever reason, suggested that the Rangers were looking to move Holden for a top six center. Great. I would look to move Holden for Wayne Gretzky. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen. The Bozak rumors I can confirm to you are rumors that are completely unfounded. There have been some people who remain nameless may have mentioned that the Rangers have spoken to Toronto about Bozak. That's not true. It's not to say that things can't change, but right now that's not true. Um, Bozak kind of is a fit. He's got a one-year deal left. You know, he puts up some points, whatever. Uh, Toronto wants defensemen. I think Nick Holden, he had a career year. There are a lot of general managers out there who get tunnel vision when they see a defenseman who put up 34 points and he's making $1.6 million next year. Yeah, trade something for him. Go ahead. At this point, even if the Rangers take picks and prospects, you have to do something because you can't have nine defensemen on the team. Right now, the Rangers have eight defensemen and there's not enough roles for them. Go ahead. Yeah, the, like we talked about a lot last I'm, week, you know, there's all those, there's Pionk, you know, there's, there's Bear Glazov and all that. Yeah, there's there's Blazov so much there, and even even Sean Day. Um, there, like, Sean there's Day. just that surplus, and because there's that surplus, it's well, what does the team need? And it can be that simple, um, and I, I would like to think it will be that simple, but I guess that uh, that remains to be seen. Tom? So, uh, to, to sort of just to quickly, you know, the, the whole trading of Holden for a top six center, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree. And, and the Bozak thing, I mean, I don't fully understand that because from Toronto's perspective, um, yeah, they want to add a defenseman, but I can't see why they would want to trade. He's in the last year of his deal and I could understand it in years previous where he was being deployed in a role that he wasn't suited for. But now that you have Matthews and you have Marner and you have Nylander and you have Kadri and you have all these guys that can play center and it's resulting in Bozak being in a third line role where, I mean, his line, I mean, just going off the top of my head and remembering from what I watched was one of the better ones against Washington. Um, I could, not to sort of sidetrack and, you know, talk all about the lease, but um, <laughs> I, to answer Mike's question, I, I think they're, it's tied together in the sense of if De- D'Angelo is your sixth defenseman, that means that both Holden and Stahl are potential healthy scratches. You can afford to have Holden as a healthy scratch because 
that much, whereas you can't carry almost $6 million as a healthy scratch in stall. I also don't think they're done. I think they want to see how much it's going to take to, say, maybe lock up someone like Zabanajad long-term because then they, they set the building blocks in place and say, okay, we have them for this year, we have them for next year, and so on and so forth. With that in mind, who becomes movable in, in the grand scheme of things when you consider the cap space they'll have, the players that will be available, and then the holes that they will have to fill? Um, well, it doesn't make the team. Um, and then you couple that with, you know, maybe if, if Anderson goes back, then it's sort of like you're out, you know, Stepan and Ranta for pretty much just the cap space that they picked up Shattenkirk. The only thing that would lead Toronto down that road, just to add, and again, this is obviously not a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast, but they are kind of in cap hell, and they have Connor Brown, who's a restricted free free agent, who is still kind of hanging out, and they have to pay Nylander next year, they have to pay Marner and Matthews in two years. There's definitely a lot going on here that I think will... But now, granted, Horton and Lupo are both on their cap right now, and they'll come off once the reserve starts. But there was a, a thought process that maybe Bozak was going to be available or JVR was going to be available, and we'll see where that goes. Mike Babcock made some kind of cryptic comments about, you know, all three of these guys, one of these guys are not like the other, yada, yada, yada. We'll see. I, I would love to get um, JVR to be a New York Ranger, but we will see if... Uh, if they go down that road, in terms of the assets that the Rangers have, I, if you assume Shattenkirk, McDonough, yeah, you could go ahead, Tom. So, yeah, I could imagine Mike Babcock being like, oh, you know, we got these players here, and, uh, you know, one of them is not like the other, and in a perfect world, we'd love to bring them all back to camp. It's not going to work out. It's a lot like Yogi the, Bear. Yeah, maybe a little. It was good though. It is. My, listen, Mike maybe Babcock, Mike Babcock has he, a small. He cache didn't even have picnic basket. He, he, he like him on twenty four seven. There was no. He's widely regarded as one of the best coaches in the NHL, and with reason, I, I do think he is. But there's like the emotion that you expect to see out of a guy like him. Just it's just so monotone. It's uh, it's a little surprising. Looks actually. like he's carved out of wood. Yeah, he well, he probably he may be actually made of wood. We don't know. Who who are you to say what he's made out of? You're not the creator. You are the destroyer of podcasts. Um, so if you assume McDonough, Shattenkirk, Shea, and Smith are your top four, if you're penciling in D'Angelo for a bottom line role, that leaves Point, Bear Glaze off. Point Bear Glaze, <laughs> Holden. And I like Poink better than Pionk. It's not P O. It's P I O. Not, not yeah. a goddamn Looney Tunes sound effect. No, it's Poink. It's 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 Poink. It, it's it's always going to be Poink. In my point. head, he is Poink forever. Poink, Bear Glaze off, um, <laughs> Stall and Holden. That's four players now. Fine, I'll I'll make Mike happy. Pionk would not Yay. be the worst thing in the world for him to go to the AHL. Berglazov has a KHL out clause if he does not make it to the NHL. So that adds a little wrinkle there. 
I cannot, for the love of me, life of me, for the life of me, imagine Stahl sitting in the press box. And part of me also cannot imagine Holden sitting in the press box. Now, the easiest way to free up those roster spots is to trade Holden for not a defenseman. Or you can trade Stahl for not a defenseman. If you could trade both of them, you can put Pionk or Bear Glazov in that third-pairing role with a guy like Tony D'Angelo. I don't see a lot of... There may be some mixing and matching just because of how deep the Rangers are in the top four, but D'Angelo needs an opportunity to kind of develop the defensive side of his game. I think the offense is going to be there one way or another. Bear Glazov, by all indications, is absolutely NHL-ready right now. So you look at the opportunities that these guys have to get in the NHL. When we talk about risks, Bear Glazov is a guy that you could potentially want to see maybe get that opportunity. I think about this a lot. One of you, I don't remember who it is. I'm going to assume it was Tom because it was a good point. Take that, Mike. Um, mentioned that the Zuccarello kind of up and down. What? If Zuccarello never comes back to the NHL, right? If Tortorella runs him out of time and he spends his time in the KHL and he never comes back, everybody's going to look at him kind of the way that they look at Nick Jaredev right now, right? A guy like Jaredev, oh, he was a bust. He could never make it work in the NHL. You don't know how a guy's career is going to be altered one way or another based off the opportunities that he gets. Strawman is another great example. If the Rangers don't take that flyer on Strawman, who knows what's going to happen? He's probably playing out his days in Sweden, and he happens to be one of the better shot-suppressing defensemen in the NHL right now. So with a guy like Bear Glazov, it may be worth it to give guys like that an opportunity to actually kind of go in there and see what they become because you don't know what you may end up getting. It's the mystery box. The Tom brought up in our little chat that the in terms of the handiness issue, uh, Pionk and D'Angelo are both right-handed defensemen. Bear Glazov is a left-handed defenseman. I, I don't know with the addition of Shattenkirk if that's as big of a deal anymore because the top four is kind of stabilized with a left-right defenseman, which is apparently the only thing that Vigneault wants. Um, I don't know if that, it may. Maybe it doesn't matter. I, I'm not sure. But I think at this point it's going to be talent. And I would love to see D'Angelo Bear Glazov as the third pairing. I just don't see a path that that happens unless the Rangers are willing to put their money. You know, listen, Gordon got rid of Girardi. I, for the life of me, did not think that was going to happen. I hoped, but I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, can he pull a rabbit out of his hat with Stahl? Who knows? I can't imagine it would be difficult to trade Nick Holden. I really can't. I think the Rangers are maybe waiting for the perfect deal, but if it comes down to it and you have to trade him for draft picks, trade him for draft picks. Who gives a shit? doesn't matter. You just need to create the roster spot and save a little cap space. But <sighs> I mean, to jump back, there's oh, also Tom, the go ahead. Save the show. Sorry. So, I mean, the other thing in mind is you could also have a deal really late before the start of the season. I mean, I can remember both the Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk deals that the Islanders made. I believe they were both in September. Um, so you never know that there could be a, a team that last minute's like, oh crap, we need another defenseman for X or Y or reason. Well, I, I don't think that there's he? a. I, I think Holden is re- very tradable. I mean, he had a career year of 34 points. You play him in just a, a purely offensive role, and you stick uh, a steady defensive defenseman next to him. 
in a brawl, that that's a that's a great ad. He just doesn't work well, here for what they're looking to do. I would often call Dan Girardi a victim of other people's mistakes. And I think Nick Holden's year with the Rangers kind of it, it that's a good response to that as well. Because you look at a guy who should not have been out on the ice protecting leads late in the playoffs. You look at a guy who should not have been played in the role that he was played in. You look at a guy who the coach never really adjusted away from because he trusted Patrick Waugh, of all people, for his coaching analysis of like, oh, this is the talent evaluation that we need to deal with. And Holden failed. When he was put in that opportunity, he failed, which I think the world knew was going to happen. So much like you maybe look at a guy like Fast, who I love but complain about a lot, not because of anything Fast is doing, but because he's not a top six player. Dan Girardi may very well be an effective number six, totally sheltered defenseman for Tampa Bay. He could have potentially been a very good number six sheltered defenseman for the New York Rangers. Vigneault never let that happen. So if you put Holden in the right situation, I don't think Holden was nearly as bad as everybody thought he was last year, but in critical moments, Nick Holden may have been the worst defenseman that the Rangers had, and I'm talking about the playoffs. And is that his fault? No, that's just the player that he was. The person you blame is Vigneault for putting him in the position that he put him in. Like, you put a cat in a room with a canary, and the cat eats the canary. Like, that's the shit that happens when you do that. If you didn't do that, that wouldn't have happened. So figure it out. I think a lot of general managers will look at Holden's 34-point year and think, wow, we can use a guy like that to add a little bit of offense and do whatever. And you've you got to be able to get a third-round pick for him, at least, you'd think. Larry Brooks seems to believe you can get a top-six center for him. Larry Brooks also said that the Rangers weren't going to get – weren't going to trade Stepan, and there was no way in hell they were signing Shattenkirk, and he's had a rough summer. He, he's had a, he's definitely had a, uh, a rough summer. Tom is now naming ex-Ranger defensemen who have latched on. Michael Roosevelt, who has his name on the Stanley Cup twice. Can you imagine that? You know what uh, we need on the podcast, show? What? We need a soundboard. Oh, we do need a soundboard. I need, I need to... When you make a stupid point, I want to be able to hit like an air horn. No, I will be in control or of like, the soundboard. You've already proven to why me would you can't you be, be trusted. Because you can't be trusted. Because I you trailed off trusted. one time? No, no, because you just said that you would use it against me, and I will not allow that. I will now bring on a soundboard. <laughs> what did you say? You're going to scare away Tom. No, Tom's in already. He he knows he knows the deal. He knows what this is. Tom, I have a serious question for Tom. Sure. When I when I first saw your name on Twitter, I think it was either last year or early this season. I can't remember. I thought your last name was Utz, as in like the potato brand chip. And so in my head, I imagine <laughs> that you were like the heir to the like a potato fortune. And I, I realize that, that is not a question. Where is the question? I, I was just getting to that. I'll, See, this is I'll where I need the soundboard. I would be like, boing, yeah. boing, 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 boing. <laughs> But what is, is Ertz German? So, yes, um, Ertz is German. Um, it it is, is a German name. And the whole, the whole Utz connection, that's something that I've heard uh, – 
I've heard pretty much my entire life. It doesn't, it, it, it's, I hear even more since, you know, you know, I work in the supermarket industry. So that's a, a funny joke that people tell. Oh boy. And at least, at least for me now, there's also someone else I work with where her last name is actually Utz. So now she is now the brunt of all those jokes because it's her, actually her last name. But a running joke that I always have is in something to motivate me. As I said, you know, I want to become successful enough one day that I have enough money that I can buy the brand and just add a letter and then that's it. Mike, he was on the edge, and you pushed him over the edge. You made a man snap yep. today. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> I do. Can I also it say is how alarming that, that you work with someone named Ertz? Your Ertz yeah. and their Oots. Like I, I, in my life, I've never even remotely heard <laughs> that type is of a, a last name, and now there's two people at once. I always said Uts. Uts, Oots. Yeah. I don't know. Let's ask the guy who's the heir to the throne, Tom. Uts. <laughs> I was wrong. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm wrong quite a bit. This is not What's new. I wasn't I wrong like, about this I mic, like though. I like how wrong it's you sexy, sound sexy with your pants and your microphone. Yeah, this mic is sexy. That's, that's the only way yeah, to describe like it. That. It's just like nice, and, nice and shiny. It's way bigger than I thought it was going to be. I'm not even saying that like sexually ironically. It is legitimately bigger than I thought it was going to be. I understand that that comes off as a, a terrible pun, but... It's nice. Nice little blue Yeti. Maybe they want to advertise on the show. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, you don't know. Um, What else? I have something to ask you guys. Go ahead. Um, You know, the other bit of news that happened just before the podcast was uh, Nicholas Jensen signing in the KHL. And Mm. for listeners who don't know, um, Jensen's 24. He's a little old to be you know, considered like a proper prospect, but he was, of course, the guy who the Rangers got back for Emerson Edom, and Edom was, of course, the return or part of the return in the Hagelin deal. And it's just another example of like you, you can't judge a player by who they're traded for or you know what their contract is because is it you know is it Emerson Edom's fault? You know is it is it Jensen's fault? No, but uh. Yeah, I guess so, right? But uh, it is really interesting because Jensen scored, I think I did the math, it's about 17% of Hartford's goals last season. He was second in the AHL in goals on on what was just really like a dog shit Wolfpack team. Um, Did you mean to do the interesting connection there? No, but pretend I did. Um, God, you are so smart. Yeah, look at that. Uh, but what's interesting to me is it's it's so important. We see it throughout the league to have a successful farm team. And obviously the Rangers' farm team is not in a good place right now. And we also know that it might be leaving Hartford, actually. But it's I, – I wonder how much – because I don't think your everyday Rangers fan, you know, loses sleep about – Oh my gosh, the Wolfpack lost their leading scorer. But when you lose some quality there in the farm team, and then you have these guys in the minors, you know, guys like guys like Ryan Graves, and you know, guys who, you know, you hope one day can be like a part of the Rangers' depth. 
it is a big deal because, you know, they, they don't really develop if there's nothing for them to develop around and with. Um, I was wondering if you guys have any concern really about the Wolfpack just not improving enough. That's been a problem for, God, I'm going to say about five years. You know, there was a point in time when I covered the Hartford Wolfpack, believe it or not, um, back when I was a, a sports reporter for the New Britain Herald up in New Britain. Don't believe it. Uh, Keep going. Evgeny Grachev was like the rising star at the time, which, yeah, yeah. that's how far back we're going. I think it was about six years ago. Um, to Mike's Grachev. point about the piece of crap Wolfpack team, as he so elegantly put it, Jensen Dog had 55 shit. points, right? Yeah, yeah, I was trying not to, not to say the word shit again. But oh, just... and Rivick went to uh, Calgary, by the way. He was second on the team in points. Yeah, and I got, will you start kicking my thunder? You are an animal. Good. <laughs> I need a soundboard to play a thunder clip. No, no, okay. See, you've already, you're, you're losing privileges left and right. I just want you to know that. Um, Jensen had 55 points. Rivick had 40 points. Tambellini was the next highest player with 35 points. I'm not including Taylor Beck because he ended up being the leading point scorer on the team, but he played 56 games. Um, he played for another team before he came over, right? Why am I? I yeah, Edmonton's affiliate. Yeah, the AHL is very weird with the way that they like list the statistics. So when you have that big of a drop-off... He's also it, gone, by the way. Beck went to the AHL. Well, the Rangers signed a couple of guys to to kind of bolster the AHL, and the point that I was getting to was one of my biggest pet peeves is you need to have a good farm system, right, because you want to get these guys used to winning. You want to get them used to the system. The successful teams have a farm system where they can just get guys up, and they have a plethora of players. And granted, the New York Rangers do not have the most full prospect corps. They really don't have much of anybody. Um, the gar- the head coach was a disaster. There's like we need yeah. he, he was fired. The New York Rangers have moved in a totally new direction. It's probably three years too soon. I mean, last year Tanner Glass was a first line player, and Robin Kovacs, who you could have easily argued was one of the Rangers' top prospects, was a fourth line player for the entire year. It just there's nothing. It does not make sense. There's nothing no. to it. There's no rhyme or reason. Everybody's like, oh, he rolls four lines. No, you don't. Like, it, that, to me, makes no sense. And that type of mentality is not good because, the, like, you've lost a year of Kovacs' development now. You've lost a year of Stromwall's development. You, you can make an argument that you've, you've lost a year of, you know, Buchnevich's development in the, in the NHL. Like, you can make those arguments up and down the lineup. But the New York Rangers absolutely screwed the pooch at the AHL level, and that's a problem. So you get a new coach. You kind of change the system around a little bit. You need to start from scratch. Ty Ronning played in 12 games. for the. He had five points in 12 games in the AHL as a kid who was coming up from the WHL. That's a, that's a good story. You have Kovacs. You have Stromwall. Adam Tambellini probably has not shown the type of growth you would love to see out of him, but so be it. Ryan Graves has been fantastic. There are motivational opportunities for some of these guys. But when you take a step back and look at the way that the Rangers operated at the AHL level, it was a disaster. Plain and simple, it was a disaster. So, yeah, I think that's a big deal, and I think it was definitely a a targeted adjustment that Gordon made. He added a couple of really good players that 
in this offseason that are strictly going to be Hartford players, but I think just getting some fresh coaching blood in there makes all the difference in the world. I really do. Tom, since Mike asked the question, you want to – oh, there you go. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem with the AHL and vis-a-vis with the Rangers is that you look at the Rangers and what they've done the last few years, they've gone big or they've gone home. You make the trade for Marty Sandley. You make the trade for Keith Yandel. You make the trade for Eric Stahl. You make trade, you make trade, you make trade, and you sacrifice a first-round pick, you sacrifice a second-round pick, you sacrifice, you know, prospects, whereas if they don't make that stall trade and they don't trade Alexi Sorella, he's probably your number one center in Hartford next year or a candidate for a bottom six center for the Rangers this year. So the Rangers have been in this mindset where because they have robbed Peter to pay Paul, they've looked to say, all right, we're going to sign Kevin Hayes, you know, as a, you know, UFA that didn't sign with his team. We're going to go after Jimmy VC. you know, in a perfect world, you know, they would be a, a players for Will Butcher, but I think he's going to go to a team where he can play immediately. I agree with you. I mean, I, I the last two years, you know, I, I shelled out, you know, the money for, you know, AHL streaming. It's, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't the greatest investment in the world, but Man, th- this year especially, it was the it was the worst Wolfpack team in in, in history, the lowest point total ever. Um, but they just have not done a good job of stacking talent. I mean, you look at you look at the successful teams, uh, well, relatively successful teams. Like I'm going to just point out the Capitals and the uh, the Penguins. Both teams regular season great success. Their minor league affiliates are, are, are year in and year out are two of the better teams in the league. And what does that enable the Pittsburgh Penguins to do? It enables them to, you know, have really good players, but then you have your Jake Gensels, you have your Connor Sheerys because they have a committed development system. Then they promote from within and the, the cycle continues. That's where the Rangers eventually got, got to get to. And, yeah, I, I only I only hold them so accountable because of how willy nilly they were in dealing draft picks because they were all in and they were going for that final move. Whereas I, I hope now that Drury is in charge and or at least for the Hartford Wolfpack's concerned that he'll have more of a developmental instinct because, you know, from what we've heard, he was a big key in getting VC to sign. He was a big influence in getting Buchnevich to come to North America. He went out to, to watch him play. If that reputation and that attitude continues, they'll be able to have a development system where, you know what, they're, they're going to hold on to their picks a lot more now, but you can make those signings. You can go after those college UFAs. I mean, you got to remember they're also, they, they may, prior to Neil Pionk, you know, they also signed, you know, whether it was at a, Vince Pedrie and they signed Vinny Letary. Both were NCA players that, you know, they were relatively good. Um, I, I believe one or two of them was a sophomore. So, or I was actually one of them was a sophomore. Pedrie was, I believe was the, the sophomore. So it's not like you're getting an older college player. You're having some guys that are, you know, they left a little early. Uh, they weren't drafted. So they took that, uh, you know, pro offer. 
Yeah, we fired Tom up. Tom got fired up on that one. Yeah, we cracked oh, him up. Tom, yeah, some Tom high heat that he was throwing out there. That's, a, that's the sort of motivation that builds a potato chip empire right there. <laughs> a potato chip empire that you've changed the name of to now match your name. It's an even darker, darker path. Um, I would sooner eat Earths than Murphy or Fortunato chips, I'll tell you that. I wouldn't eat Fortunato chips. It's just... No. Murphy, maybe. Murphy's chips. I don't know. It's Irish. Yeah. It is. Yeah, there's definitely... There's something there. There could be something there. Um, All right. Well, this was was fantastic. One of our longer shows in a while, too, and this mic is sexy. Patreon.com slash Blue Sharp Andrew. Go to that website, and you can pay us money to do this. How good of a deal does that sound for you? That is literally the best deal that could possibly happen to you. you we're get getting to give Beth a new mic soon. It's true. We're getting Beth a new mic. Are you kidding me? This is you. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Get there now before it's sold out. I don't, I don't know what would sell out, but whatever. Get there before it sells out. All sales final. Um, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, also go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to Google Play, go to whatever entity it is that you listen to us on. Subscribe, give us five stars, leave a nice comment. If you give five stars and you leave a nice comment, guess what? Mike will hug and kiss you, potentially in the mouth. I don't know. He could be a whore. I don't know. I have no idea. I do know he is. Um, You can follow me at twitter.com slash blue shirt banter. You can follow Tom at twitter.com slash Tom URTZ Jr. Uh, Mike is dig deep BSB. You can also find Mike on FanRag where he is the drum roll, please lead women's writer for the national women's hockey league. And he writes great things there. Mike also, you contribute to the ice garden too, don't you? Yep. I'm an editor and writer. Nations women's. Women's Hockey Blog. So thank you all for listening. Hopefully we have a little bit more stability in terms of what uh, what the Rangers are doing with Zibanejad and moving forward next week. But Will he be signed by next podcast, Joe? No. Ooh. Mike? I say maybe. Okay, you've... You, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, so Tom says yes. So we're literally deadlocked. Or I was hoping I was hoping either one side would be right, or or like you and me would agree, and then Tom would give his point, or Tom would be the tiebreaker. Instead, you said what maybe, is which is arbitration case. Do we know that? Sometime in August. Yeah, I, I would well, like to think it was done. I was asked if we knew the arbitration date, his arbitration date. Oh, for Zabanajad? Yeah. Um, I, be- I believe it is published. Let's see. Yeah, I think it's August. Oh, it's definitely. Google. I think it's August, uh, August like, yeah, who knows? It should be on Blue Shirt Panther. It, it should, should be. be. It should be. You'd, you'd hope it. And you be. should be on Blue Shirt Panther too, folks. Yeah, you should be. If you're not on Blue Shirt Panther, you have betrayed the trust of the Foundation of Elders. Eat your Blue Apron meal and log on to BlueShirtBanner.com. God damn, Mike. You are redeeming yourself for ruining the podcast in ways that I can't even articulate to the people right now. You've redeemed yourself. (laughs) I forget the name of the mattress company. 
Casper. God damn it. You see, you ruined it. Ruined. I know, but at least I'm honest. Folks. You are honest. There's nothing softer than a Casper mattress. Unless you want firm, in which case there's nothing firmer. I'm just trying to buy Tom time while Tom Google to buy Tom. I would buy Tom. Yeah, I thought it was posted. Okay, Mike has ruined the podcast again by asking an unanswerable question. Tom, how much do you cost? If we if we were to buy you by the pound, you would be roughly. Is it like a two ninety nine oh deal? If I have a coupon, can I get it for one ninety nine? Think about it. Something to think about. Something, Something to, to think, think about. about. All right. This, this oh, show is, I would has, like to think that we see it happen. I'm very. Or has it been a jab? Very. I'm very fox. Boy, I have a uh, Tom is doing his best Beth impression. Beth yeah, is like I'm wrong. That is that is like. Ooh, July 20th. Oh, so we were all wrong. Through. Wow. Yes, that was that, the claim to fame. Out. Beth was making her point. She was like, and the most important part that I would like to make, and then there was just like an hour of silence, and then she would come back on as yeah. if that it was amazing. everything. All right, the show is done. Totally off the rails. Beth is a whale. Mike is a cassowary. I'm an ostrich. Tom is a dolphin. We'll figure that one out next time. Thank you all for listening. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Subscribe. Five stars. Like us. Woohoo. Bye. Bye, everybody.